0: Today I'm continuing this series of sermons that I've entitled Mindfulness, Reflections on the Psalms, Creation, and the Human Experience. I want to take a few minutes to talk about the Psalms. The book of Psalms is in the Bible. It's right in the middle of your Bible, and it is the longest book in the Bible. It has the most chapters of any book in the Bible. 150 chapters, although actually what it is is a collection of 150 of what we call Psalms. Psalms are actually Hebrew poetry, and so there's 150 poems in this collection that we call the Book of Psalms. Now, the Book of Psalms is an interesting book when it comes to reading the Bible. While much of the Bible we read seeking to hear what it is that God has to say to us about the real and important things of life, when we're reading the book of Psalms, we're hearing what human beings have to say to God about the real and the important things of life. Now, that doesn't mean that their words aren't inspired. We believe that their words certainly are inspired by God, that Our faithfulness as a people has come about because of the work of God, and God has inspired these writers, and the words that they have written help us to understand something of what an authentic faith looks like, what a pious life looks like. In the book of Psalms, these poems, some of them are prayers. And there are kind of two categories of prayers in the book of Psalms. One of them is personal prayer. My God, my God, why hast thou abandoned me from Psalm 22? Or from Psalm 51, created me a clean heart, O God. Personal prayers. Some of the prayers are corporate prayers. They're prayers that are intended to be prayed in worship by a congregation. My God, why have you abandoned me, or abandoned us? Remember your congregation, the psalmist writes. Not all of the psalms are prayers. Some of the psalms are hymns of praise. Where the poet writes these beautiful songs of praise to God. Psalm 145. How great is our God? Greatly to be praised. Some of the Psalms are testimonies or proclamations about how it is we've experienced God at work in our lives. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Testimonies, proclamations about how we've experienced God at work in our lives. Some of these testimonies, these proclamations, turn into prayer. Like in Psalm 118 that you'll hear about in just a few moments. A proclamation that turns into a prayer of thanksgiving, but whether the poem is prayer or hymn or testimony, all of the Psalms, all of these poems give witness to an authentic faith and help us to understand what it means to live a faithful life. We learn much from reading and from praying the book of Psalms. Now, because so many of the psalms are prayers, let me talk just for a moment about prayer. Prayer is about talking to God, right? About talking to God and listening to God. It's about communication. Primarily, prayer is not about us getting things we want. Remember the old Janice Joplin song, Oh Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? It's not, primarily, prayer is not about us getting stuff that we want. Rather, prayer is about a relationship. It's about being in relationship with God. And like with any relationship, the better the communication, the healthier the relationship. Now, as, means, as, as an analogy. Let me talk a little bit about my wife, Jerry. Jerry and I have a, a pretty healthy relationship. We talk a lot. Sometimes I talk. Sometimes I listen. Guess which is more important? Both of them, right? Both? No? OK. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jeanette. <laughs> I better listen. OK. We talk, and we listen. Now, sometimes when I'm talking with my wife, Jerry, I tell her I love her. When we're praying to God and we express our love of God, or to God, we call that a prayer of adoration. We find a lot of prayers of adoration in the book of Psalms. Sometimes when I'm talking to my wife, Jerry, I tell her, that I'm grateful for something she has done. When we are praying to God and we express our gratitude for what God has done, we call that a prayer of thanksgiving. There are a lot of prayers of thanksgiving in the book of Psalms. Sometimes when I'm talking to my wife, Jerry, I whine and complain, but never about any of you, okay? <laughs> when we are Praying to God and whine and complain, we call that a prayer of lament. And there are a lot of prayers of lament in the book of Psalms. Sometimes when I'm talking to my wife, Jerry, I tell her something that I need from her. When we're praying to God and we're expressing to God what it is that we need from God, we call that a prayer of supplication or a a prayer of petition. And there are a lot of prayers of petition in the book of Psalms. Sometimes when I'm talking with my wife, Jerry, I have to tell her that I'm sorry for something that I have done or that I have not done. Hopefully that doesn't happen real often, but sometimes I need to say I am sorry. When we're praying to God, needing to say we're sorry, we call that a prayer of confession. And there are prayers of confession in the book of Psalms. Sometimes when I'm talking with my wife, Jerry, I tell her my hopes and my dreams for other people, what I want to have happen in other people's lives. When we're praying to God and we're expressing to God what we hope will happen for somebody else in in their life, we call that a prayer of intercession, interceding on behalf of another person, and there are prayers of intercession in the book of Psalms. Sometimes, I'm about done here, sometimes when I'm talking to my wife, Jerry, I have to tell her that I'm not able to do something that needs to be done or that I need help. In prayer life, we call that a prayer of relinquishment. When we tell God, you're going to have to do this, I can't do it on my own. There are prayers of relinquishment in the book of Psalms. Now, If I'm talking with my wife, Jerry, and I talk with her in all of these different kinds of ways that I've just mentioned, my relationship with her is going to be very different than if my only way of talking with her is to tell her something I need, right? If all I ever do is tell her something I need, well, that's a very different relationship than adoration and thanksgiving and confession and all these other things that I have said. So, too, with our relationship with God. Our relationship is very different when we pray to God in all these different kinds of ways than it would be if we simply went to God when we needed something. Now, prayer isn't only about us talking to God, it's also about us listening, right? It's also about listening, and and God does have something to say to us. God has a lot to say to us. God speaks to us in that still, small voice, God's Spirit speaking to our spirit. Sometimes God just wants us to know that we're loved. Sometimes God wants us to know God's hopes and dreams for our lives, for the lives of other people, for God's world. Sometimes God wants us to know something that there is for us to do. Sometimes God just wants to speak a word of blessing to us. To make our life a little better or a word of healing to us to bring some healing to our brokenness sometimes God even speaks a word of gratitude for the hard work that we are doing God has things to say to us prayer is about talking with God listening to God it's all about developing a healthy relationship with God now today We're looking at a little bit of two psalms. Psalm number 5, a few verses from Psalm 5. Psalm 5 is a prayer. And we know that because by the end of the first verse, we're told it's a prayer. The poet cries out to God and then says, listen, I am praying to you. So we know it's a prayer. The other psalm, Psalm 118, is a proclamation, it's a testimony that has to do with some victory that has been won for the people, for all of the people who are gathered. And while I don't know what the victory is that prompted the poet to write Psalm 118, I do know that it is a psalm that can be used for any victory that takes place within the life of a congregation a great proclamation of what God has done to bring victory to us. We could have used this psalm when we gathered together for the first time after having built this sanctuary. Remember, we built this sanctuary at the worst possible time. During the downturn of the economy when nobody was building anything and money was hard to come by, this was the biggest construction project taking place in Las Vegas because nobody was building anything. But we just decided we were going to trust in God, and we were going to step out in faith. And we succeeded, not by the work of our own hands, but with the help of God, with the help of God. And so we could use Psalm 118 as this song of victory for what God has done in bringing us through the many challenges of life. Psalm 118 then turns to prayer giving thanks to God for what God has done for us in our lives. Well, that's enough about the Psalms for today. These reflections that I'm working on, these sermons, they're a little different because they are reflections more than they are sermons, um, but they're primarily on the Psalms. So I hope that this uh, little teaching time on the Psalms is helpful to you. Let's turn our attention to Scripture.
1: Today's scripture comes from Psalms 5, verse 1 through 3. Give ear to my word, O Lord. Give heed to my sighing. Listen to the sound of my cry, my King and my God, for to you I pray. O Lord of the morning, you hear my voice. In the morning, I plead my case to you. Psalms 5, verse 7 through 8. But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down toward your holy temple in awe of you. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness, because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. Psalms 18, verse 24. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
0: Thank you, Courtney. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto thee, O Lord our God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This Thursday I will be celebrating a birthday. It will be 23,000. 376 days that I will have been alive if you want to do the math on that go ahead and find out how old I'm really going to be what that means is that today I am 23,372 days old and that I have been around for 23,371 sunrises not that I've seen them all I certainly have not. As a child, I didn't really even care much about sunrise. That wasn't important to me as a child. As a youth, if I saw the sunrise, that was just a reminder that I was up way earlier than I wanted to be. As a young adult, even in middle age, I was a night person. You know what I mean? my natural clock was to stay up until 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning and then to get up after the sun had risen. So I was, any night people here? I can't be the only one. There's a few. Okay, there's a few of us. Okay. My wife, Jerry, is a morning person. She likes to go to bed early and get up before the sun rises. That never made any sense to me. I mean, I'm a night person. But it wasn't too long into our life together when we realized we had to navigate this difference. And it really didn't end up being that hard to compromise. Jerry started staying up an hour or two later and getting up, getting up an hour later. Meanwhile, I started going to bed an hour or two earlier and getting up an hour earlier. And it all worked out pretty well for us, really, especially on weekdays. Now, weekends are something completely different. And for me, they're completely different for different reasons than they are for most other people, because what makes weekends so different from me is that I start work on Sunday morning at 3 a.m., which means I need to get to bed on Saturday night at 8.30, which is really early for somebody like me, a night person. But I do that. Now, side note, I didn't last night with the birth of the baby. It ended up being kind of a long night. Um, but normally I'm going to be in bed about 8.30. 3 o'clock in the morning, the alarm run uh, rings. I roll out of bed, take a shower, get dressed, go and make some breakfast. And sometime before 4 o'clock in the morning, I'm hard at work memorizing the sermon for the day. Once I about have it down, I head to church. I usually arrive sometime around 5.30 in the morning so that I can start practicing the sermon out loud. Nobody here. I just practice it out loud until I've got it, until I'm ready for the 8 o'clock service. Now, most of the year, it's still dark when I arrive. And during the winter, the sunrise takes place right out there right out through those big glass windows at the end of the lobby. So while I am practicing my sermon, I can see the sunrise. And when there are clouds, let's hold off on those slides for just a moment, okay? When there are clouds in the eastern sky, the sunrise can be spectacular. Sometimes it's so beautiful that I stop practicing my sermon and just go outside for a few moments just to take in the sunrise and to enjoy it. Maybe that's why my kind of natural clock seems to be changing. The older I get, the more I like sunrise. I enjoy being up early and seeing the sunrise. Now, over the past couple of weeks, we've spent some time up at our land in Zion. And during that time, there were a couple of especially beautiful sunrises. So now let's show those slides. These are pictures that were taken near Zion Ponderosa Ranch, just a short distance from our property, um, a couple of different days uh, while we were up on vacation. When I see the beauty of a sunrise, the beauty like this, I can't help but think of Psalm 118. This is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. When we see beauty like that, it's easy to rejoice and to be glad in it. But if you're anything like me, it doesn't take long after sunrise to begin to transition. I mean, sunrise announces a new day, right? And with a new day comes work that needs to be done, plans that need to be executed, schedules that need to be kept. And so this transition begins to take place, a transition from this is the day that the Lord hath made, let us rejoice and be glad in it, to something more like this is the day the Lord hath made and there's a whole lot of stuff to get done, right? A whole lot of stuff to get done. And again, if you're like me, when it comes to getting that stuff done, It's helpful if I feel like I have a sense of control over it. I mean, we like to be in control of our work. We like to be in control of our plans. We like to be in control of our schedule. We like to have some sense of control over our lives. And to some extent, we do a pretty good job of having control over those things so long as there's nothing that comes along that surprises us, you know, so long as the sky is blue and the wind isn't blowing, we do a pretty good job of controlling. Until those days when the distant clouds that make for a beautiful sunrise begin to draw near as a threatening storm And the thunder and the lightning begin to rattle us to the bone. And in those times, we are all too painfully aware of how little control we really have over our lives. Memorial Day, two years ago, we were on vacation up at our property in Zion. Jerry and I got up early. It was a beautiful morning, a beautiful morning. We enjoyed it, sipping our coffee at sunrise, a glorious morning. We had big plans for the day. The plans included, after breakfast, taking the kids down to Zion Ponderosa Ranch so they could drive ATVs. Now, we had taught them about safety, and they had done this before and had been safe doing it. And so we were down at the ranch, and they were riding ATVs. And it's not that Cody was being reckless. He wasn't. It's more like a perfect storm of circumstances that converged, and in a moment's time, this ATV flipped over and landed on top of Cody and broke his arm. Well, at that moment, all plans for the day were out the window as we found ourselves scrambling to try and close things up at our place enough to be able to get back down to Vegas to get Cody the help that he needed. I mean, life happens sometimes, right? Life happens sometimes. Those clouds in the distance that make for a beautiful sunrise sometimes approach as a storm. And the lightning and the thunder rattle us to the bone. Maybe it's that we become ill. Or that we're injured in some way. Or that we receive a phone call from someone. Or that somebody that we love, that we care for, something bad has happened to them. Stuff happens. And when this stuff happens... We, that that psalm, this is the day the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. It can begin to sound more like, This is the day the Lord hath made. How can I rejoice and be glad in it? Sunrise can be beautiful. It can be spectacular. But no matter how spectacular the sunrise might be, it offers no promise for what will unfold that day. Nor does it offer any promise that there will be more sunrises to come. All it promises us is that moment of beauty. The first rays of the morning light pierce the darkness, sunrise, a new day has begun. And I try, while while looking at the sunrise, I try to look more toward God who makes the sun to rise and who has given me this day. What does the day hold? I have no clue. I don't know what's going to unfold today. None of us do. But this I know more beautiful than any sunrise is the beauty of God's faithful love for you, for me. And so I turn to God in prayer Lead me, God. Guide me on your path. No matter what the day may bring, lead me. Guide me on your path. For I know this is a day you have made. It's because of you that I can rejoice and be glad in it. I know this is a day that you have made. With you, I rejoice and am glad in it. I know this is a day that you have made for me. Day 23,372, for me, I'm alive. I'm alive. By the grace of God, I'm alive to sing God's praise. This is the day the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen? Amen.